Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. So hello out there, podcast world. I'm here with Irene. Hi, Irene. Hi, everyone. And we're Hope here with a great our, week. our uh, I believe this is episode four already for our mm-hmm. grief and rebirth podcast. Yeah, right, and yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. And it's very exciting. And we have a wonderful guest today. Would you like to introduce her, Steph? Well, sure. So <laughs> this uh, today we have Ida on the phone. Ida, are you there? I'm here. Great. Um, and so what Ida I have here is you are a time and space consulting owner of the sanctuary. Is this, this true? This is true, yes. <laughs> and so basically this is um, yoga therapy, which I'm very intrigued because I love to do yoga. I do a lot of hot yoga, but I haven't really done this type of yoga therapy. So I'm curious to uh, hear what this is all about. Me too. I mean, I, I do yoga three times a week. and um, it, But the fact that yours is called yoga therapy, Ida, and you, you say that you can help people with trauma and loss and all through this therapy is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that it's so new. So how about telling us a little bit about how it differs from your usual therapy and how you found your way to this. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there's really nothing new about yoga therapy. It's really a throwback to how yoga had all always been offered, which was one student to one teacher. And working in that way, amazing things happen. You know, yoga classes for groups of of men and women together. That's new. That's really new. Wow, I didn't um, realize that. I didn't either. (laughs) That's how uneducated I am about yoga. That's interesting to know. Yeah, well, that's that's the point, actually, because there's been such a huge um, expansion of what yoga is in the West, and that was intentional, by the way. You know, the first yoga teachers came over in, like, 1920 and um, educated the West as to what this Eastern practice was all about, and it's been expanding ever since, and in the last 20 years, well, there's a yoga studio on every corner now. But, you know, before it became what is offered in the world today, and I love that I see it, almost all of it, (laughs) sometimes it's kind of an affront because so much has been stripped away from the original practice of it. And it's really, you know, it's so minimized in our culture. So anyway, yoga therapy takes it back to one student to one teacher in its best practice. But you can have yoga therapy classes as well. I've been holding them now since 2000. And so what what makes my class different, there's always an educational piece. We don't, you don't just come in and do your your postures, your breathing, or whatever 
you're being guided in, and then leave. There's a context to every class. It goes beyond just having a theme. There's an educational piece. And so over the last 16, 17 years, you know, I've offered all kinds of informative pieces on from, you know, menopause to stress to trauma to low back pain to anxiety, insomnia, you know, all the things that people come to yoga classes to help themselves with, but they're missing a lot of what, you know, is offered in a yoga therapy session because it's, it's just all being taken out of context. And that's the point of yoga is that it is a practice for body, mind, and spirit to come together. And that doesn't mean like on Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday. It means all together in the same moment of time. So, you know, it's a very different orientation, at least the way that I lead and facilitate my classes. Um, and it does touch back into the mystical component of yoga, and that was the part that had always appealed to me the most, you know, the part that you don't see. And so... Can you, know, you explain does, that to people who don't know that much about yoga, what you what you refer to as the mystical component? Sure. The, the mystical component would be, you know, yoga originally dates back to the Vedas, and today you hear of people practicing Vedanta, which is a form of Eastern philosophy that's practiced by meditation. And yoga just is part of this worldview that includes the mystical and the spiritual. And so people would go to the yogis in India, you know, who were men, yes. by the way. Today, it seems to be taken over by women, but they, it was oh, begun by and, men, right? And thank you for mentioning that, because that's a big problem. You know, the fact that we were all taught these postures by men who had only taught men has created a lot of injury in female bodies. I see this all day long, and teachers are still instructing their women in the classes to stand in ways that are not healthy for their bodies because everything was, was, has been developed from a man's body. There are a few women yoga teachers out there now, some of my peers, my age group, who are really making a strong effort now to educate all the yoga teachers that women should put their feet this way and men can put their feet that way and, mm. and et cetera, et cetera. Because there, you know, nobody ever expected this kind of what's happening out there. And so we have to remember where does the information come from? So, you know, in our own recent history, the information has come down through men studying men's bodies. But even before that, you know, um, it, it always was the man, even going back hundreds of years, but that is, that is the sad truth. Um, the first woman that became a yoga teacher, her name was Indra Devi, and she lived in London, and she didn't get to be a yoga teacher until, I, I get dates wrong a lot, but I think it was like in the 1950s or 40s or somewhere like that. But, um, yeah, there's a long history here. So yoga therapy, what I do is, I encompass the whole paradigm of yoga, which has a lot of other, you know, information aside from what you do on a mat that helps people with whatever they need to be helped with. You know, it's kind of a, a, a 
fit all one size. Even though it's very individualized sessions that we would have together, um, it's still pretty much a one size fits all thing because yoga is like that. It doesn't matter what shape you're in, what illness you have, what, whatever is going on in your life, there is a yoga practice that you can do that will help you balance yourself out. So that's what I offer. That's um, really fascinating. So in addition to them coming in, putting out their mats, you spend some time talking with them about some issues before you begin the actual practice. Is that how it works or you do it at the end? No, that's exactly how it works in the in the classes. And depending on what I'm hearing from the students, um, that that affects what I'm going to offer them. I don't ever come in. I've never come into a class, and I still don't come into a class with a plan. You know, I might have my my topic, but then I'm always open it up to who's ever showing up that day. And more often than not, that will lead the, the conversation, and then it will also inform me as to what kind of practices I need to give them today. If, yo- if, yoga, if yoga instructors I want to expand their practice to include something like what you're doing, is there a, a formal place they can go to learn about this, or this is or they would come to you, or this is just your the way you uh, what you have devised? Well, um, the structure for the, the format for my classes does come through my training um, as a yoga therapist, and I did most of my training for that with Joseph LePage, who has a yoga, who was originally a um, one of the students at Kripalu when Kripalu first became Kripalu. Okay, I believe he lived up there in the ashram, and then after and then went off on his own and developed integrative yoga therapy, which was a teacher training program for how to take all of the yoga practices that were offered at Kripalu and how to take them, and then and he put together a yoga therapy program. That was almost 20 years ago when he began that. It's only been a year now since being certified as a yoga therapist was even a possibility. Anybody could call themselves a yoga therapist up until a year ago, but now there is a certification. And That's fascinating. Yes, it is. It's it's a very interesting history. And his training, um, he still offers training for yoga therapists uh, in Brazil and at Kripalu. And there are also a number of schools out there that specifically offer trainings for yoga therapy. And I really see this as the wave of the future because your typical yoga class is just so far away from what yoga is, what yoga could be. You know, eventually all these people, I think, are going to find their way, are going to want something deeper, something more to what they're experiencing. Well, I think that since you bring that up, I mean, one of the things I think I have an issue with, and maybe this would be why I need to do more of a one-on-one thing is that, you know, this whole meditating and finding your focus and everything, like, that's the whole reason I go to yoga, so I could just, like, disconnect from my phones and not, but I mean, I still find it really hard for myself to just, you know, do this whole meditating thing and to, like, get into this whole, you know, just just me and being focused. I mean, even while I'm in there, I'm, like, focused and I'm looking at my point on the wall. I'm, like, pulling my my 
my positions and I'm still thinking like, oh man, as soon as I get out of here, I have this huge to-do list and I should be calling this person, you know, and I feel like, I think in this day and age, a lot of people have that problem and, you know, how do you help? Is, I mean, is that like part of it? Like, you know, like trying to help us learn how to focus and like, like, how do you recommend that? That sounds like a major de-stress <laughs> kind of a, um, a oh, thing yeah, too. And I mean, Go ahead. And Aya, just before you just before you start, because the answer to Stephanie's question is going to be great. But um, I want our listeners to know that Kripalu, it, for people who don't know, Kripalu is a very famous yoga center in Massachusetts. Just so they they're going like, what's Kripalu? You know. <laughs> so. Thank so you. anyway. Yes. Yes, it's a good place for a lot of different trainings. Um, yeah, Stephanie, you're the perfect student. Keep going to your <laughs> class. That is, that's why you're there, to notice how distracted you are. Even mm-hmm. if you are distracted in the yoga class, the whole point is to notice that. And, there's, and as soon as you notice that, your teacher, if you, were, if you were my student, I would say to you, great, you noticed, that's what you're doing here. Now, take a long, slow, deep breath. And come back and begin again. And you just say that a hundred million times. You know, so that is why, you know, the classes will help. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, once a week is not enough and every day is is really necessary. Even if it's only five to ten minutes, you know, people really do need to develop a home practice. It's like muscle memory, you know, and no matter how difficult it is, it is important to do that. I don't so know in a way you're saying besides your orange juice, you need to do your, your bit of yoga in the morning and maybe even add some meditation to that. And now you're good to go for your day. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing I would say to you is um, really be careful that you don't judge your practice. Even if you spend your entire five-minute meditation time putting together a grocery list, if you sat there for the five minutes and you were able to see yourself doing that, that's a good meditation. You should, you know, there's no such thing as a bad one. It's okay, all that's about. Interesting. I never thought of a grocery list as like meditating, but I, I do that a lot, which I think is funny to point out because I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, you know, when you can sit at home, like, you know, one of the things I literally do before I go to bed is like, because my days are like Tetris. I literally. I'm like, okay, I got to get out of bed. I need to pack this to take with me. Once I drop my son to school, I go to this and I have this meeting. So what do I need for that? You know, do I need to take a change of clothes to go to this event after work? And you know what I mean? Like, so it's literally Tetris. And I literally usually take five minutes when I lay in bed to think, okay, so this is what I'm going to take. This is what I need. This is what I'm going to do. And I kind of plan out my day. So when I wake up in the morning, I am not frazzled as to like what I need. Um, So I guess, that is what you're saying is that is kind of like meditation. So maybe I kind of do use it a little. <laughs> well, well, no, that's it, it's not meditation, but that that does show you that you have the ability to focus and concentrate when when you have your when your body's relaxed and you just totally just go right into the mind and put together a list. That's an ability to focus and concentrate. Meditation is something completely different. And, as, you know, just talking to you, my, my suggestion is just notice how busy your mind is. 
and spend five minutes a day sitting still to watch that. And if you just do that five minutes a day, make it the same time every day, just like a, put it into your routine. Okay, just sit still for five minutes, set a timer, close your eyes, and watch your mind. And whatever it is your mind does, is perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with it. The fact that it was meditation time, don't let that bother you. Just the fact that you sit and close your eyes, that's, that's all that counts. You, you just have to do that. And then it develops a life of its own. Once you've come to the feeling of having your mind really calm, awake, and aware, you know, it's a place that you'll be able to go to really often. One other thing I want to say to you, because when, you know, I was as busy and frantic for a while as you are, you know, with two kids and a full-time job and this, that, and the other thing, and running from here to there selling real estate a long time ago. But what saved me were my yoga classes, because what they taught me to do was how to breathe. And every time my car was at a red light, I would take a, I would practice my yoga breathing. And before I answered the phone, I would take one long yoga breath. And you just try to work that practice in into your daily routine somehow so that you have these little mini pauses. And you'll end your day with a lot less stress if you can remember to do that. It's, it's not the knowing how to do it. It's the human condition is that we forget. <laughs> I that is such wise advice. That is such wise advice, yeah. Ida. Ida, you do you have a a, a a story? I think you do have a story that involves Sandy Hook about how your yoga therapy made a huge difference in people's lives. Yes, that was, that was an amazing experience for not just the participants but for myself as well. I was invited to to put this program together with a therapist who had been seeing us, who was very close to Newtown in Connecticut. And so she ended up with a couple personal clients. And after working with them for a year, she came to understand that there was a different kind of healing that was going to be necessary for a group that had gone through a trauma like that. So she called me. I was very honored to get that call. And uh, I had worked with her for a long, for a decade prior to this, doing a program similar at Kripala Center, which isn't, that program is no longer available. Anyway, so we put together this program and brought a whole group of survivors from that school up to the Catskills in New York for four days to do a group program. Um, you know, we just called it a retreat and we took them through. There was a lot of yoga therapy. We started every morning with yoga. We did yoga nidra every day. We did a crazy wild yoga dance to get them really loose in their bodies. We did a lot of um, very specialized kinds of conversation, talking, but different from what you normally see in group processes. These were some techniques I've learned, you know, as a yoga therapist. We've had them do very various experiential exercises involving um, art and journaling. And then I brought my harp. I play the harp. 
and you know we added some music there and it was just amazing and the difference in them from Thursday night to Sunday when they left was just it was like a miracle you know wow. and we've heard from them ever since and you know I think they we I don't know of any other group from that tragedy that has gone through a process like we brought them through. And I'm not saying it was a hundred percent successful and miraculous. You know, a couple of them are still struggling and have had to quit and move. They just couldn't go on, you know, just couldn't go right. on anymore. Understandable. But they were conscious decisions that they made. They weren't weren't reactive decisions. You know, I'd like to think that we had a a piece in helping them to to be okay with where they were and then to move on consciously rather than in a reactive Mm -hmm. mode. And for people who don't understand, what is the definition of yoga nidra? Yoga nidra means yoga sleep, and that's a practice where you really, it's the easiest thing to do. Just lay down, close your eyes, and breathe. And the yoga instructor, I don't want to say instructor, because I really believe that people offering yoga nidra need, need to have advanced training. There's ethical concerns with that practice. It's not just a simple guided imagery session. People that um, direct that yoga nidra practice have to have some advanced training but essentially what we do is bring you into an altered state of consciousness where lots of long held tensions can be immediately released if the, t- if the time is right and the belief system and your belief system is aligned with that it can, I've seen miracles and I've seen people that wake up and they you know, they don't know that anything happened at all. They just had a good nap. But it does work on the um, unconscious mind directly. So you're basically just laying there and, and, you know, closing your eyes and not doing anything, but listening, listening to to me or whoever is directing it. So it's become very, very popular. And um, there are, there's a yoga training ashram in Salt Springs, Florida, that's run by the original guru of Kripalu, Amar Desai, and he's offering some amazing advanced trainings now in Yoga Nidra, so if you do have yoga teachers listening to this, I suggest that um, that's where I would go. In fact, I might go myself again. You know, I you, you never have enough trainings. Not right. enough. And where in Florida is that again? What springs? Salt Springs, right on the edge of the Ocala National Forest. His center is called Amrit Yoga Institute. Can you spell that first word? Can you spell the first word for people who want to Google it and look it up? Yeah, A-M-R-I-T, Amrit, Amrit Yoga Institute. And he was the original guru for Kripalu when they first opened. So, yeah, there's a long history and story there. (laughs) Wow, that's fascinating. So I wanted to backtrack a little bit just because I thought it was interesting you said like Sandy Hook, but to go from a different angle is um, with children and yoga because um, I the one we were just touring schools for my son to go to private this year for kindergarten and one of the things that they offer now 
or it's not like they offer like an add-on, but it's actually written into the curriculum is yoga for these kids. And they're five years old. Um, and here in New York City, there's tons of yoga studios that are just for kids. So I, you know what I mean? And it's cute to see them do it all and everything. But I mean, I think the way you're talking about with like this meditation and just focusing and like learning breathing, I mean, it sounds very fascinating for me to be doing this for children because it's helping them focus better in school, which is a huge problem that we're having lately, you know, with a lot of this attention deficit, you know, um, and I'm just curious what you think about doing with kids and do you do anything with kids or, you know, what's like your age recommendation and stuff like that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Start the kids as early as possible. Absolutely. And make sure that the parents are doing it too. Um, that would, cause that can create a problem. You know, yoga opens up, you know, yoga is so healthy and such a beneficial practice, no matter how it's offered, that, you know, it could bring that kid into some direct conflict with parents at some point if parents don't really understand. Mm-hmm. You so know, do you suggest the parents do it, do the practice with the children or that they no, should just be in their no, own practice? Yeah, no, not at all. It is important, though, to know that whoever's teaching the children has been educated as to how to teach children because there's a lot of things that just, you know, they're too young. Their bones aren't formed yet. Their bodies aren't finished. And there's just certain things that really you shouldn't do with kids. But I'm all for it. I've got my grandchildren down on the mat with me. You know, I started them Mm -hmm. at two, you know, and they can't sit 30 seconds, but no, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It, it is a blessing that it has taken on, you know, as well, but it's important that the public be better educated as to what is and isn't yoga. I mean, all, I just saw an advertisement last week for yoga and beer and the classes. I mean, I went nuts. I have um, <laughs> yoga and beer. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> it's very trendy to just do yoga with yeah, all these yeah. well, the point is that once you've done yoga I understand what's happening because it happened to me after I started doing yoga for a while you get so healthy you get so open you want to share this good feeling and you want to include everything and everybody everywhere and so I think the intention is good, but they've forgotten some real basics when they... And I want to ask a question. Is this yoga and beer idea to get more men doing yoga? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't even listen. I had to walk away from the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I see a lot of guys. When I mean, I go to... You know, I go to different yoga studios throughout the city in New York, and I see a lot of guys. And these aren't guys that you would think that are just you know, in shape yoga bodies. Like it, there's a lot of different people out there trying it. And I think it's kind of yeah. cool to go into these yoga studios. I mean, like usually, like I said, I do hot yoga. I like to just sweat it out. I feel like it makes my heart feel faster. And I feel like, I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's how I kind of control my breathing and I can be more connected to my body to understand it, like what it's doing. And I can kind of like calm it down. And I like to be able to like, be able to take that moment and feel it, especially when I'm in like laying there, just taking the break in between when you're doing like the floor poses. Um, but I know that's definitely not, you know, what m- my son has done. I've taken to see a couple little cute um, 
yoga classes and they do like some little downward dogs and they try to put their legs on the yeah. wall and stretch. But it's cute because my son will see me like even just stretching out before bed sometimes and he'll get down there and try to do the poses with me and it's really, really cute to see it. And I think yeah, it's, just, they, it's helping, yeah, like you said, to just encourage everybody to kind of get back into it. Because it's funny how now it is more women, whereas it only was for men. Like, I had no idea. That's kind of, it's an interesting yeah, it's really, when you think about it. I actually <laughs> ran a class for about two years for men only. Um, because there was a real, well, for a long time, there was a real shortage of yoga teachers. I was much busier years ago. Um, but I ran a class for men only. And they were so grateful to be able to try it out without women in the class. And But, you know, I've only ever had just one man, one or two men in every class. They, um, you know, it's, it's, it, I think a lot of it has to do with, it's just not being presented, you know, in a way that, you know, you know what it is too, our culture does not, our culture doesn't practice yoga. Our culture directs us towards being competitive and, you know, and very assertive in what we want and to lean forward and go get it. And that's all very masculine. And, and yoga, although class, some classes can be very demanding and challenging, it's not asking you to do that. It doesn't want you to have a goal or an achievement or anything. It's just asking you to sit down and do it. And men just don't, you know, they're just not wired up that way in our in our culture for the most part. They they just aren't. So mm-hmm. I keep trying to get them into my classes and I get them, but it's um it's slow going. It is. So it sounds like I if do. you had a class just for men where they were not so self conscious about bending down maybe in front of women and maybe they are, their stretching is different, it would be better for, for men if it was just geared to them, if they could be open minded to try to to allow it <laughs> into their lives. Yeah. If you so can find the teachers, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you can find the teachers that would offer a class like that, you know, actually, you know, if you understand the rules of yoga, um, in you know, historically, you had to understand the rules of yoga, the yamas and the niyamas, before you were allowed to learn the asanas and the pranayams. And every, you know, every class that's offered with mirrors and skin and um, men and women together, every one of those classes breaks the yamas and the niyamas. It breaks the rules. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're already off to, like, a challenging start with the way, again, with how yoga is being offered in our culture, in our society. Now, maybe I'm not going to judge it as, as bad or, or wrong, you know, bad or good, but it does break the rules, you know, according to how yoga was always offered. That goes back to the mystical piece. You know, it wasn't a, something that was offered to everybody. This was important information on the body that was only handed down from teacher to student after long years of study. So, you know, now it's like we've opened up Pandora's box and, and therefore you have all this energy being released that people aren't necessarily awake and aware of and about in how to uh, utilize all this energy. So, 
Well, Ida, this is so interesting and such important information and surprising information for a lot of the people listening to our podcast. So I have to, I have two more questions for you. One is for you to tell everyone how to get a hold of you and be sure to let you know when they get a hold of you that they learned about you on the podcast. And the second question is, what is your tip to everyone for finding joy in life? Okay. Um the best way to get in touch with me would be um, through my website, okay, which is www.ifcullen.com. I like an I to F like in Frank, right? I-F-Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N, right? Yes. Uh, Ida Fay, actually. That's what it's for. Okay. We'll have all this on our website, too. So, like, if they can't, (laughs) we'll have it out there, like, the links that will link out through IreneWeinberg.com, too. Okay. Yeah, my my phone number and my email address is all on that website. So that would be the best way for them to reach me. Um, Yeah. And And where, where are your classes right now, Ida? You're in... New Jersey? My classes are in um, just outside of Asbury Park, okay, in at the Jersey Shore. There's a train station walking distance from my studio, and the schedule is up online. I work mostly by appointment, um, and people are also welcome to come. Uh, I also do small groups and families. So if people don't necessarily want one-to-one, but they just want something of more like yoga therapy, they can come with a friend or another. And, you know, I've done really small tailored groups with of people and families, too. I've had quite a few families that have come for some grief work using yoga therapy for grief. You know, they've come and worked through some stuff together. So mostly by appointment, but I do have a couple classes. I also offer some intensive and retreats. And if they get on my email list, um, they'll be in, you know, they'll get that information as soon as I post it. So it sounds to me like even if people are not in your immediate area, if they're interested, they could go to one of your retreats, which would be a, a wonderful experience for them and very enlightening. Absolutely. And I'm also available to bring my work to other studios in other places. I do, I've been traveling more um, than anything that I'm doing locally. So if there's anyone interested in some of the programs that I offer, I'm happy, you know, please have them call me, contact me, and we'll talk about it. I've oh, done marvelous. programming in California and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, Florida, so hoping to get to North Carolina someday. <laughs> Well, I was just down there, so <laughs> I'm vacation. So, and I have some friends. I have some sorority sisters down there, so I'll have to connect you guys. Great, great. All so, right, what well, is your thanks. tip for joy? I just want to ask that one question, Ida, and then we'll sign off. What is your tip to everyone? Your tip to everyone to find joy in their lives? Yeah, my tip to everyone for finding joy is to just. Be still for a moment, take a long, deep breath, and just really be present in the now. Joy isn't something in the future or the past. It's here right now. So with both feet on the floor, take a deep breath and just find it. It's in your heart. It's there. It really is. We just forget sometimes. So be here now is my secret. Just go right inside to where it lives in your heart. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for uh, for chatting today, Ida. I feel 
so uh, more enlightened about yoga <laughs> and ready to go and try a new practice. And, you know, maybe we'll have to come down there and uh, see you soon. And, you know, maybe we can all even chat about any of these other retreats coming up or anything you have in the, in the future. And we can help um, promote that coming up for you too. Yeah, I thank you. I would be very open to that. That's where, you know, I've been doing my own little work in the studio and I'm just not a marketer or promoter and so I could use all the help I can get. I find <laughs> that. I think it's a wonderful service you're providing to people and I love how, you know, you talk about grief and people's issues and all it's it's such a great concept, and people don't have to suffer. There there are places for them to go, and you're one of them. It's it's wonderful. This has been really informative, and I know people are going to enjoy hearing what you have to teach them and teach all of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you so much for giving me this time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Ida. I guess well, we'll say goodbye for now yeah. and truly goodbye for now. <laughs> it's it's good chatting again too with you too, Irene. We'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Until next time. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye.